Hey, it's good to see you. Uh, we are uh, four weeks into now this uh, series called Radical Summer, and I have been gone for three weeks, and I just have to tell you, you guys are a lot prettier than you think. I just, I've seen lots of things. I'm just saying, y'all are good-looking people, all right? So just walk out of here just doing this, all right? It is so good to see you. I'm not, I'm not just uh, blowing, blowing steam at you. I really, I really am excited to be back. It is so fun, the perspective that you get. Uh, you know, there's, there's that temptation in, in all of us. I think that maybe we're missing out on something. Maybe there's something different going on in the world, or maybe you just don't know what you got until it's uh, all you have or until you see what you have. And uh, I got a chance to visit some friends in Oklahoma, good lifelong friend kind of in ministry, and then I got a chance to go on an incredible trip with a close friend uh, all the way to Virginia and got to see some of the coast in Virginia. Man, it was beautiful, kind of a trip of a lifetime, totally a God thing. And got to spend time with my family this last week with my parents, my dad on Father's Day. Really cool gift to him. And I want to thank the elders. I want to thank you for giving me that time to recharge, uh, to kind of gain that perspective back. And I want you to know that I'm back. And uh, you might think, wow, you must be fresh and just ready to go. No, I feel like I'm jumping on a moving horse right now. That's what it feels like. Literally, my son on Thursday, when I came back for the first day, he's like, Dad, where are you going? When I left for work. (laughs) He's like, "Uh, Dad, it's got to go to work, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> so uh, thank you for that time. Uh, the, it's a tribute to our elders that trust that the will of God is to sometimes just uh, find uh, the rhythms of life, and it's a belief that, that there's greater things yet to come. And uh, I believe that the health of uh, my own heart was encouraged, uh, enlightened, and given a chance to reflect on that. So thank you for that time. Uh, excited to teach today, excited to talk about this series is something that Kevin and I were developing before I left, and he did such a great job that he actually had most of this sermon written for me before I got back. How awesome is that? I get back, I was like, what? He, uh, he ignored, and that just was so life-giving even to just jump in line with what he's been teaching, because I love the statements and love watching online as, as this kind of unfolded, this idea of don't just come to church, but be the church. This summer, man, I just like latched onto that because I wasn't even here, but I was like, I can be King's Way wherever I go. Like, that's what I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be the church. That's what I'm going to do. And then last week or two weeks ago, he just talked about this theme that we have at the core of a lot of what we do. It's the core of, of what we believe, and that is blessed to bless, this concept that we have we've been given so much. He has lavished so much on us, not just material things, but gifts and opportunities and influence. And we would choose to turn and to offer that to the world. And we begin with prayer. We begin just interceding for people in the unseen places and the places behind closed doors that we would believe so much in them that the Father believes in them. And that we would choose to do that and speak on their behalf and to speak those words out. And then last week I thought was like the one that I like really needed, but I didn't really listen to it. And... uh, (laughs) If that's a pun. Anyway, it's a terrible joke. He's on listening, so none of you were paying attention. I didn't listen very well, and by the end of it, I was like, man, I just need to go back and listen to this again. Uh, but it was so good. The thought process of loving starts by listening. Loving starts by, the first opportunity to love someone just starts by being present and listening to them. I was like, man, I don't preach. <laughs> I don't preach well. So today, I, I, I just want to do my best to, to kind of jump on board with the series, do my best to kind of fit in and really give you kind of some things to think about. And I'm going to start by just jumping into the Bible because that's, 
that's kind of my go-to. And for some of you that aren't Christians, that may freak you out totally because the Bible scares you because it is a crazy intimidating book. Over thousands of years written by many different authors. I mean, this is just a nuts thing. The culture's kind of polarized it, so it's kind of got an intimidating thought. For those of us that grew up with it, it's just kind of normal. You know, it's kind of just something we just understand and read. And then you actually go to read it, and it kind of freaks you out again. <laughs> You're like, no, I totally believe all this. What is that? <laughs> and and so we're going to start by just jumping into Matthew, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 9, and uh, this is kind of what we're going to use as a jumping off point for where I'm going, but uh, this is a, such a cool piece of scripture. It's the call of Levi, uh, Matthew, the author. He doesn't even put his name, he's put Levi as a tax collector, all right, and uh, he's actually called into Jesus's uh, discipleship, kind of called into his following in this passage, but the context of this and what is going on is so incredibly pure to engage with us and we're at in culture. And whether you believe the Bible is true or not, I think the, the actual verbiage and the story that's going on here will ring so true with you if you will let it just give it, give it a chance to speak still for what it really is. And I want to do my best to read this to you and then I want to go back and kind of fill in the unseen spot. And I normally do a terrible job, which means I'll probably explain it as I read it because I'm terrible at actually reading the whole thing because I'm just so excited. But we'll get through it together. Can we do that? All right. So turn to Matthew chapter 9. If you're following along online, kingswaymo.info, you can do that too. Here it is, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. And uh, so it says, I'm in chapter 9, right? I never looked at that. Okay, making sure. Golly. As Jesus went from there, where is there? Uh, that's pretty cool context. We'll come back to that. All right, we'll come back to that. So just... Let there be kind of a, ooh, where was there? All right. As he, uh, he uh, saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth, and he said, follow me. And he told him, follow me. And uh, Matthew got up and followed him, which is just crazy. If you were at work, just imagine that. Somebody came in and said, follow me. You're like, sure. Um, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners. I love how they separate tax collector and sinner. That's a good indication of how sinner, sinnerish tax collectors are. All right, just, just notice that, all right? They're not even in the sinner category. They're just on their own, <laughs> all right? And he ate with them and his disciples. So he's got everybody in there. Everybody's around the table. And when the Pharisees saw this, so they saw this. I've always loved that. They saw this. So were they at the window? Anybody thought about this? Where were they? They're like outside the door like, dude. Anyway, when he saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And they're like, oh, snaps. A good question. We kind of want to know this too. On hearing this, because you remember who he asked? They didn't ask Jesus. He asked the disciples. Whew. So Jesus is like, what you talking about? Overhearing it. Kind of cool. It is not the healthy who need a doctor. Ooh. He's a good preacher. But the sick, go and learn what this means. Because, see, the Sadducees and Pharisees, they thought they knew everything. They had studied it. They'd memorized it. They had it all. So he's like, hey, go and think about this for a second. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call the righteous. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, here's what is so cool about that. Like, if that's not like, I mean, if that's not a verse that you should just like have memorized for every time you're interacting with someone that you're like, wow, you sin. <laughs> because in your mind, you should be doing this. That's probably how Jesus sees me. Oh, snaps. Because if you grew up in the church, guess what? You're really good at seeing sin because it was pointed out to you your whole life. 
know what I'm talking about? But you're terrible at seeing it in yourself because a mirror doesn't show sin. It just doesn't. So you're really good at the filter that you put it on other people. And this is exactly what the Pharisees are doing. They, they pointed this all out. It's terrible, just terrible injustice in the world that's going on all around them, and they couldn't possibly be in it themselves. The context for this passage blows my mind. Matthew, as a whole, the gospel of Matthew, is Matthew trying to explain one message, one huge theme through the whole book, and that is this, that there is a different kingdom that was brought by Jesus. A different way to live. A different way to see the world. A different life that could be chosen. In Matthew 5, it's the gospel, or the the, the Sermon on the Mount is what he was saying, and it's the gospel message laid out to its fullness in a kingdom theme. You can go and read this. It's so cool. Matthew 5 through 7, and he starts by saying, the kingdom of God is, and he says it over and over and over again. So cool. So cool. This is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. So then after 7, we get 8 and 9, and 8 and 9 are demonstrations of the kingdom demonstrations of the kingdom. So this is so cool. So we have these, this moment where Jesus preaches a sermon and then it's demonstrations. So the verse, remember it says, Jesus says he came from there. Verse nine, you can look at it if you want to. It says he came from there. He came from getting off a boat and a guy getting paralyzed, being, being basically healed from being paralyzed. Now the context of this is just mind-boggling to me. The guy shows up, he's obviously hurt, he's on a mat, his friends drug him there, and Jesus looks at him and says, I know what you need. I know what you need. The kingdom of God is here. I know what you need. You know what you need? I forgive you of your sins. That's what he says. Can you imagine being paralyzed? And you're like, what? (laughs) Maybe that's what I need. And the, the Pharisees are doing the exact same thing as this verse. They're watching. And they're like, you can't say that. Only God can take away sins. And so Jesus has this really cool remark. He says this. He says, do you think it's easier to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? And he's like, oh, nobody answers. And then Jesus says, you know what? Just go ahead and get up and walk. Get out of here. And the guy on the mat's like, oh, Okay. <laughs> and leaves. This is the story right after that. This is the story right after that. Here's the context. You ready? Jesus' kingdom is greater than your physical, maternal, or mater- maternal, material, all right, you're going to remember now, material things. The kingdom of God is reaching a deeper place of renewal and connection. It's reaching a deeper place of insecurity and brokenness. And he wants to demonstrate that. And so Matthew puts this story right after that one to show where his paralyzed body was healed. His paralyzed body was trapped behind a tax collector's booth. His mind, his whole life was trapped in greed and selfishness. Being an outcast and a loner, trading your soul for the things that would bring pleasure. Losing the very people around you that loved you in the process. That's where Jesus is like, 
I came for sick people, not just the broken physically, but the needy, hurting, everyday person that is broken. They are, they are so hurting and broken behind their desk, behind their steering wheel, behind the mask, behind the mirror. And the kingdom of God has come to say, come with me. I am here for you. I'm here for you. Now, that's good stuff, right? I mean, we could almost be done right now. Okay, good. I feel much, oh gosh, yes. Now, here's, here's what's so amazing about that context. That is the gospel message. Like, that is like laid out to the, the nines. That is the kingdom message that Jesus came to bring. And he fulfills it on the cross. He fulfills it by saying, no, no, no. Not only am I willing to offer this to you, I'm willing to give up myself everything that is me to rescue you. I'm willing to give all that I am. My purity will become your purity. My death will become your life. And the kingdom of God is born out of sacrifice of love. And in an instant, the kingdom of God that was was talked about is brought here, now, in this moment. It's established. But yet there's a kingdom of this world that we are still sometimes feeling like we're torn between our flesh versus what's being offered in Christ. So here's where I want to talk to you about Peter's verse. 2 Corinthians. This is a letter to the church in Corinth. Peter, who is one of the greatest evangelists, traveled around and just basically set up some churches talking about the new kingdom of God, talking about what has been established, talking about the resurrection of Jesus. Not only did he talk about it, he pulled it off. And this is what Paul says about what we're to do if this is true. If this is true and you're a follower of Christ and you're engaging with this and you have received that new life and you're trying to walk in this new kingdom, this is what we're supposed to do. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors. As though God was making his appeal, where? Through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be on his team. Be for his kingdom. Be for his works. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That first verse, we therefore, we therefore are Christ's ambassadors. We are the message bearers. We therefore carry this hope and love and life of a new kingdom. What's so hard about this story is how I relate too much to being a Pharisee. What's so hard about this is I feel myself being more of an ambassador of a Pharisee than an ambassador of Christ. And I'll point this out to you in an easy way. Remember the categories they had with sinner? Which one did they put next to sinner? You remember? What's the one? Tax collector, right? Do you know we have our own categories? Do you know we have our own categories that we put in that little box? You know, we, we, we have sinners, of course. Even if you're not a Christian in here, because you probably grew up in this area around that word, that word sinner, immediately you identify with it. You're like, yeah, those sinners. You may even call Christian sinners now. 
because that's how much of a hypocrite they've been. They're like, yeah, those little Christians, they're sinners too. You're right, <laughs> dead right. But I also know this, we have bias for the categories we put along. You know what it was uh, in the 40s and 50s and in the 60s? It was racial. That's what it was. It was racial. And sad to say that's still today. It carries on. Uh, you know what it was in the 80s or even now into the 2000s? It became a sexual orientation. It became a sexual orientation. Put a label on it, throw it in as an extra category. Now, it, it, to some of you, you're like, ooh, that's just, oh, don't do that. So, but just listen, listen how the story plays out in your mind uh, and just put a racial category in there, okay? Why does he eat with them? Put a sexual category on it. Why does, ooh, ooh, he's hanging out with them? Why would he do that? Why would he spend time with them? Why would he hang out with them? And what's crazy is, even if you're a non-Christian, you may treat Christians this way. You may have your own little clique. You're not even a follower of Jesus. And you may have your own little clique, and you're like, you're hanging out with Christians? Because we naturally do this, don't we? Who are you comfortable with in your life? Do you know who you're comfortable with? Come on, come on, it's easy. It's an easy answer. You know who you're comfortable with? People like you, right? If they look like you, smell like you, act like you, talk like you, do the things you do. That's who you're comfortable with. That's a natural thing. You kind of naturally flock to them. You ever had somebody that invited a friend to hang out and then they're not like you? They say those words, they do those things, they pull out that thing. You're all waiting to go into the restaurant and they're out there like, and you're like, what are they doing? That's not what we do. That's not us. All right? You ever had that happen and then they say the word? They say a word. All right? And you don't say that word. Why would you say that word? And then they say it and everybody's like, Bleh? like pulling out soap. I'll take care of this right now. You ever been in conversation with somebody, that, that person gets invited and then they say some things you don't agree with? Let's just go down that road. They say something political you don't agree with. Yeah. Ah. Right? And then in that moment, you're like, oh, you're, the, you're one of them. Right? And it doesn't even happen anymore face-to-face. Let's just be honest. It's not face-to-face anymore. It's online. That's where it is. Like, they put that on their wall. Oh. Now they know who they are. You are an ambassador for a kingdom. You are something different. You are set apart. And you are set apart because of the love that was shown to you. And this message is so easy to just go, okay, cool, so let's just be loving to the people like me. That's a Pharisee. Flat out. That's a Pharisee. That's what a Pharisee would do. Yes, you've memorized the Bible. Yes, you follow the strict dietary code. Yes, you only eat and do these things on these days. Good. Okay, good. I can be your friend. I can spend time with you. 
And then Jesus comes in and finds the people that don't even fit in the sinner category. Don't even fit. And he's like, I'm going to hang out with you. I'm going to spend time with you. No judgments. No set expectations. No looks of stern disgust. Ridicule. Only mercy and love like a father. Deep understanding. Crazy, right? Do you hear that ambassador tone differently now? He says, I implore you to be an ambassador of this same idea. Man, that hits me a lot harder when I recognize the context that we're not just supposed to be in uncomfortable situations with people's physical problems, but we're supposed to be comfortable and understanding in people's hurting, behind-the-scenes choices. Liars, cheats, greedy, broken, lustful, hurtful people. Because that's the way God chose to be with me. And if you can't see that, then you'll have a hard time extending it. <laughs> you just will. If you need that fresh perspective, just spend five minutes trying not to be selfish. It's like a double negative. Try not to think about myself. Oh, crap. Just thought about myself. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to walk away with three things. Because this is impossible to just keep this giant thing because you'll go home and go, it's impossible, I can't do it. I'm not Jesus. You're right. All right, so let's just start with three. How to be the church without adding anything to your schedule. How does that, how does that sound? Does that sound awesome? Who wants that? Does anybody want that? Because here's the temptation. When I just said what you're supposed to do, most of you just thought about your summer schedule. And that's why we formed this. And you're like, I can't do one more thing. If you make me do one more thing, I'm done. All right? So let's just start here. How to start this by not changing a lick of your schedule. Anybody in on that? Some of you are not even Christians. You could try this and wouldn't change a thing. All right? Woo! Mind-boggling. You ready? First one. Live at peace. Live at peace. There is something that should change inside of you when you realize that you are on the winning team. Seriously. There is something that should fractionally just shatter and then you should recognize deep down that you are on the team that is going to win. You are in the new kingdom. You are on stable ground. You are with the man who is not overcome. You are with the person that makes darkness tremble. All right? There is something inside of you that should change. You should live with a desire and an understanding that you are okay. That you are good. That the hope has found you. That love is good. If you call Jesus king and if you recognize his salvation and you walk with him, all right, you are good. There should be a peace. This is how Paul says it to the Philippians church because they're in some troubled times. They're in some hurting times. This is what he says. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Pause. Okay, how many of you guys want to be blameless and pure? Anyone want to be blameless and pure in here? 
I, I like that idea. I love that concept. Uh, it says then you can't argue or grumble. That's how you're breaking your purity. Some of you in here are like, I don't look at anything sexual. Awesome. You're probably still breaking your purity if you're grumbling. Or, or, is that, like, we just like to put the purity thing as like a certain sexual category a lot of times, and it's not. All right? Grumbling and arguing. Uh, man, I know when I put that in that category, it hurts my heart. All right, so that you may be, become pure and blameless, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. When you hear warped and crooked, a lot of us are like, wow, non-Christians are terrible people. No, 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 we're included in that generation. All right? <laughs> we're included. All right, so that's not like them and us. This is just us. All right? We are that way. Naturally. Naturally, we are that way. Then we shine among them. Like stars in the sky. Look, we are in it, but we are not like them. We have a peace and a security and a hope that is different, and it shines out. It displays. It shows up. When everything else crumbles, we go, no, we got this. And it's not because of our confidence. It's because of the confidence we have and what God has done. As you hold firmly to the word of life. I love that, that little phrase there, word of life, is a description of Jesus' ministry. Isn't that so cool? It's a description of the gospel in a phrase. The word of life is that Jesus chose you and he made it possible and he picked you and he loves you and he rescued you and you are firmly secure in him. You have life abundant in Christ. So cool. So live at peace in your schedule this week. In your schedule, daily commute, no matter what time your kid wakes up, like this morning when I got up and I went to put my shoes on in the living room. Parents, look at me. You're going you're gonna to agree with this. I put my shoes on in the living room, all right, and I'm literally lacing my shoe, and I look up, and one of my children is hiding underneath our coffee table and is just going, hey. <laughs> and I went, what are, you, what are you doing? How long have you been there? I don't know. What? Your daily life. I know that was just a silly story, but look, daily life needs to have peace at the center of it. It may not be a child scaring you, all right? But it may be your drive. It may be the first conversation you have with your wife. It may even be before your cup of coffee. It may be the last thing you do in your day when you're exhausted. It may be that news you get late at night that tempts to take you, that tempts to carry you away. It may be the financial news. It may be the doctor's news. It may be someone else's choices that have consequences for you. Look, you are secure. You are secure with the hope. Live at peace. Live at peace. Though darkness may surround you, you have a light that lives within, right? Shine like stars. That is not determined by the light around you. That's determined by something that's inside. Live at peace. And if you've never followed Jesus, you can start that right now. Ask for that peace. Two, be present wherever you are. Holy cow, you know how hard this is? Let's just be honest. This is really hard because you have a phone. So hard. I'm terrible at it because I'm really good at multitasking in my own mind. Really good at it, right? 
How many husbands in here or wives have you had a conversation with your spouse and it has not gone well because you've been doing other things <laughs> while the conversation's been going on? Right? I don't even want to talk about how terrible driving is. All right? Yeah, some of you in here, you just judged me. You're right. I struggle. Sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? I'm driving. It's just second nature. We were terrible at listening before phones came, though. So older generations, just get off our back, all right? Let's just get off our back for a second, because I know that. I remember no cell phones. I still stunk at listening. I remember what your parents would do. Look me in the eyes. Look me in the eyes. Look me in the face. Look. Eye contact. Eye contact. We did that. I don't want to. Tractor beam. It's what we did. Listen, Kevin said it so well last week. Your first, your first communication of love can absolutely be just being present and listening, being present with the people right across, even if it's someone that you don't think deserves it. The waiter or the waitress, never order food on your phone. Never do it. It's a poor communication. Just don't do it. That, that's a good place to start, right? Because that's an easy one. You're like, oh, snaps. For me, I, I'm like, I'm listening to a book. I'm learning. Stop talking so loud. I'm trying to order. I'm listening to a book. <laughs> How about this? The people that you see the, the smallest amount in your day, sometimes you give them the least amount of your full attention because you know you can get away with it. You know you can get away with it. They know you love them. You know they love And so you're just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do your thing. And to you, it doesn't feel like it changes anything, but it, I promise you, it's a missed opportunity. Your neighbors, the people you interact with, your coworkers. I'm telling you, being present with people, this could make the difference. Look what Bob Goff says about this. I, I love this quote. It says this, many people need love and acceptance a lot more than they need advice. Sometimes we're terrified to be present because they're going to ask a question. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Man, you communicate so much when you're just willing to listen and accept people right where they're at. Third thing, I got to hurry. When I haven't preached in four weeks, Kevin's always worried I'm going to go like an hour because it's true. I got a lot of things to say. Some of them good. <laughs> Third one. Invite others to do what you already do. Man, this is my favorite. This is my favorite. Uh, never do something that you could do with someone else alone. Just don't do it. If, if you can do something with someone else and invite them in, just, just do it. And I'm not saying you can't have alone time, all right? Like some of the introverts in here were like, I can't listen to this. <laughs> I'm going to die. I'll die inside. Can't have people <laughs> with me all the time. I, I'm just talking about picking a moment, picking a couple times in your week that you just invite a conversation in because yes, it will be a little awkward. Yes, it's a little bit outside your comfort zone. Yes, it's not your favorite. But guess what? People are struggling and dealing with things that you are unaware of and you cannot find out about it unless you're around them. You just can't. You might sit next to someone all week at your job and then find out on Saturday that they've been struggling with something because they put it on Facebook. And you're like, I was there the whole time. Why didn't they say anything? Well, we were never face-to-face. 
We never did anything, never created some time. And it's not like you're trying to get into people's like secret zone. You know, like, let's come to lunch with me. Tell me everything. Like, that's, that's not the goal. Like, that's, not, that's not what we're trying to do. I, I, it's more of just being a, a, available. Can we just talk about, this doesn't change your schedule. It's, you're already doing it. Does that make sense? Like, this is something you're already doing. Let me just give you an easy one. You ready? Take someone to lunch. You don't have to pay for them even. I mean, you could. That'd be nice. You don't have to. Just, just take them to lunch. It, it, I mean, it is the equivalent, high schoolers, junior middle schoolers, it's the equivalent of just inviting someone to your table to sit with you. You remember what that felt like? Like, so-and-so is inviting me? This is, why? <laughs> what does he want to say? What are we doing? I don't know what's going on. This is kind of cool. We're just talking about stuff, right? What if you just did this? What if, what if being an ambassador for Jesus, this grand message about a new kingdom, this powerful thought of life being restored, what if this, what if this grandioso, amazing, life-changing, full-life-giving, salvation message of hope and peace really just boiled down to a bunch of lunches? Wouldn't that just be delicious? I mean, really? Wouldn't it just be amazing if that's what someone needed? It was just some queso and a conversation. Yes, I planned that one. What if, what if that's really what you were called to do? Your first step. Being the church isn't adding more to your schedule. It's about being more intentional with your schedule. Being the church, it's not adding anything to your schedule. It's about being more intentional with your current schedule. Listen, Jesus was going to eat anyway. He was going to eat anyway. But he chose to eat with the people that were intentional. Intentionally for his kingdom. Intentional for what he was there for and his purpose. Now we can't all be perfect every time, but listen, we can make a choice. What if this week, I know the restaurants in Mount Vernon probably can't handle this, all right? But what if we just chose to just eat a meal with somebody, to invite somebody in? What if we just took one step, a simple step together, to be the church and to actually just say, let's just invite someone into our schedule, into a meal. Listen, if it gets uncomfortable, just eat some more chips. That's a part of what Jesus, you don't think Jesus was in there listening to the sins that he was about to die for was uncomfortable? You don't think listening to the debauchery and the hurt and the brokenness around him was a little uncomfortable? You don't think the cross was a little uncomfortable? And yet you can't bear one awkward piece of silence sometimes to play one step, to have one conversation, to have one moment to just invite someone in to learn about their life, not to just carry them off into the gospel, but to truly give them a moment to experience the peace that you have, the love that you've received, to be present with them, to reflect that peace to them. And maybe, just maybe, they'll ask you what you have that they've been looking for and they didn't even know it. 
And they're not looking for you to have perfect advice. They're looking for you to reflect the love and acceptance that's been given to you by your Savior. And if you can do that, you will be like Jesus. And you will bring his kingdom. And you will be the church. Let's pray.